Hi, and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Podcast, where we're diving deeper into God's Word and doing our best to help encourage you in your walk with God. Thanks for joining us. Today we're talking about culture, all right? Not just culture, but kingdom culture. And uh, culture is such an interesting word because we talk about it, you know, the culture that I live in, the culture these days, uh, the culture that you grew up in, and, and, and things like that. But Jesus uh, said some things that we're going to talk about today um, that I believe was really kind of referring to culture, and at least kingdom culture. And then there's some things in the book of Isaiah that we find that also have to do with it as well. You've probably read it before yourself. But before we start, I just want to jump in here and pray. Can we do that? Soften our hearts, God. We soften our hearts. Prepare us for this word today that you have for us, especially for those joining us online. For those that are joining us uh, today, we just pray that you will soften our hearts and open our ears and open our hearts up so that we can receive your word today, God. Help us, God, to not just hear it, but God, to become doers, that we can reflect the image, uh, uh, your image, God, today. We love you, we adore you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Man, so let's jump in here today because in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading out the NIV version today, uh, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. It says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, his glory appears over you, it says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That's in Isaiah 60, uh, verses 1 through 3. I want you to pay close attention to that. It says, see, darkness covers the earth. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about how bad the times are these days. And there is certainly a lot of craziness going on, and there have been in years past. And this may pass, but then again, this may not. But you know, through it all, we're going to continue to just trust the Lord just like we do every day, whether it's good or bad. But it says that in this darkness, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. You see, the darker it gets for those that are believers, the brighter we should be. I mean, we should be like, you know, shining bright in the midst of this darkness and so what concerns me is whenever I see someone who's a believer who's just as dark as what's around them, that should be our concern. And so ask yourself this morning, am I being a light? Am I shining brighter than I ever before? Because this may be the darkest time you've ever lived in in your life. And that might be a good question to ask yourself. But let's talk about culture for just a minute because culture can be defined as all the ways of life, including, say, arts, beliefs, institutes of, of the population uh, that are passed down from generation to generation. In short, it's basically, well, this is how we do things around here. That's what culture is. And so what we're talking about over the next few weeks is how to invite kingdom culture into that. Uh, because, you know, take, for example, growing up, I had a way of doing things. It's just I didn't realize that we were building culture when I was growing up, and that that I that I was uh, born and raised up in a culture that would influence me as an adult. Uh, some good, some bad. And so when I married my wife Amanda, she had a culture. Even though we lived in the same area, we had similar cultures. But at the same time, she had 
a very distinct culture when it comes to how they did things in the home, how they operated. So did I. We brought that into the marriage together. And that's where we see a lot of conflict that we have when we come into marriages or relationships is my, my, my culture, your culture. We're trying to fit them together. And a lot of times it doesn't work. So what we learned in our marriage was that we needed to begin to invite the kingdom culture into our marriage because God may not want us to continue doing things the way that they have been done. Just because we did them that way all of our life doesn't mean that that's how we need to continue doing them. And so we invited, began to invite God. We didn't, we were not praying it that way. Don't, don't get me wrong. We were not saying this culture, this, it, and no, we just knew that we needed God in the midst of things and we needed, we needed God to build the foundation of our marriage and continue to do so. And what we were doing in the process was actually building culture in our marriage, in our family, in our home. And so together we're learning how to create a new culture, maybe leaving in some of the old from side, some, from both sides and figuring out how to create new ones in the process as well. So here's what we learned at some point after several years though, is that if you're not inviting God into the midst of it, then you are not, you are not going to have kingdom culture. That's the bottom line. You don't have kingdom culture unless you invite God and his presence into the midst of whatever it is you're doing. And not, you're not just inviting him, you're giving him the opportunity to lead, to be the influencer in everything that you do. And so that's what we did. Have we got it all right all the time? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Have we made mistakes in building the culture in our homes? Absolutely we have. But we continue to invite him over and over and over. Think about it like this. Culture is like soil, like a gardener, you know, and I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb, but I understand some things about it. A gardener will go out and they'll decide where it is that they're going to plant. They'll lay out the boundaries. They'll plow up the ground. They'll throw out anything that would distract anything, any, any cause any issues or take away from the seeds that they're getting ready to plant. Now notice this, it's interesting because they don't just go out there and throw seeds at it and hope that something grows. No, they spend the time to put boundaries up, say this is what area we're doing. We're going to till up the soil, we're going to prepare it, we're going to get rid of anything that would get in the way of growth. Now that I've done all those things, now I'm prepared to sow the seed. Now here's the issue that I see going on, unfortunately, with a lot of folks that are sitting in church every Sunday, is this, and some that are just joining online and not coming to church, here's what I see going on a lot of times. We never make it to the point that we're actually sowing seeds. Because I come to know Christ, and maybe you don't know Christ, you know, that's obviously the first step, but there's so much more than just coming to know Christ, just coming to receive Christ in your life. And it's following him and, and following his leadership and obeying his word, doing those things. So it's so much more than that. And so the problem is a lot of times we don't make it to the point that we're actually sowing seeds because we have done nothing to prepare the soil. And if you think about changing your culture and changing your lifestyle, you have to kind of think about it as a gardener preparing the soil, preparing the ground that they are actually uh, getting ready to throw seeds into to hope to get some growth out of. And so we just don't throw seeds at something that we've not prepared. So it could be that maybe you have missed out on that preparation. Listen, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm letting you know that I am guilty myself. I spent quite a bit of time not realizing that I was, uh, that I needed to look at this culture thing as building a kingdom culture as a farmer would, would uh, a field or soil 
And so I spent so much of my time trying to sow seeds into ground that was not prepared and not ready for those seeds. And then once I figured out that, wait, I've got a responsibility in this, because here's the thing about culture in our life. Culture is our decision. Now, I couldn't do anything about taking away the sin of the world, but Jesus did. I can't do anything about a lot of stuff, but one thing that I can do is to control the culture that I allow myself uh, to be exposed to in my life. And so that's one thing that's my decision. I get to do that. And that's a really powerful decision. So maybe not so much, you know, I didn't get to choose that growing up necessarily. But uh, now that I'm adult, I get to make those decisions. And so here's the thing. One day I woke up and I realized, wait a second, I'm an adult now. This just happened a few years ago. <laughs> and I said, wait, I can't be a victim anymore. I actually have to make the decisions to move forward and to build this culture that is so necessary in my life. So I intentionally began to prepare the soil. I began to mark off the areas and boundaries and said, you know, nothing, this doesn't belong here. Now, if something grows outside those boundaries, I, that's not where I'm planting things. But for right now, this is the boundaries. And I've set boundaries in my life. I prepared the soil. I'm ready to go. I began to sow the seeds in my life and God gives the increase. And so I, I did things to encourage it along. I, you know, certainly, uh, you know, you water it, you plant, you, you water it with God's word. I mean, you do things like that. You're not too harsh on it. Uh, just doing the things that it's uh, ready for. You know, you don't take a baby, a little uh, small plant that you just planted that barely has reached out of the ground and, and squirt it down with the hardest uh, spray, the, the adjustment on your nozzle, on your water hose, because it would just ruin it. It would be no, no point. Now, you might spray something hard that is very rooted, but it's not prepared for that yet. And so you have to think about it along those lines. Now, one of the things that I've become adamant about um, is that we in my home, uh, my wife, Amanda, we're full hearted. And as a matter of fact, she's even more so than I am. So I can't help it. I mean, it's, I have to one way or the other, which is good. But we we're going to make sure that we create an atmosphere where there would be no victims in our house. And if anybody ever comes to us, our children, or my, me or my wife, Amanda, if we start acting like we're the victim, then we immediately, we're like, mm -mm, nope, that is not here. We are not victims here. And, and, and so we began to build that culture. And if somebody, one of our kids comes and says, well, I can't do this. Well, that is victim because you can. Uh, and so today to you, I, I stress to you that if you continue to say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, that means that your culture is being influenced by someone or something uh, other than the kingdom culture. And you need to begin to invite that kingdom culture down into your life, into what you're doing. Uh, because that is just not how it's going to be, right? So here's the thing that I've realized too is that we, it's amazing. Christian, not Christian, whichever. All of us go through trials. All of us go through valleys. I figured that out. I was like, wait a second. Wow. But here's the thing, and I don't want to bash anybody, but listen, I, I listen to a lot of Christian music, and there's so many songs that I swear are so depressing. And it's like you're always, people are like always in the valley, and people are always hard. It's dark. It's hard. I can't see. I'm going through hell and everything else. And I'm like, but everybody goes through those things. But here's what we need to wake up and realize as Christians is that when we invite that kingdom culture in our life, and as a Christian, I should have that in my life, 
is that the difference between when I go through the valley and someone who doesn't know Jesus goes through the valley is that I've got somebody in me that's greater than the valley that I'm in. You understand, man? That is the difference. And so I don't want to sing my sad old pitiful song anymore because how, if I'm doing that, how am I any, any different than anyone else? You see, I've got someone in me that's greater than anyone and it's anyone or anything or any situation or any circumstance that I go through in this world. So the difference is that I have kingdom culture in my life and everybody can have that. Does it mean there's days that I have that absolutely just suck? Yes, absolutely. There are days that I hurt physically, mentally, emotionally. There are days that I feel depressed and anxious. Yes, and everything else. But here's the trick. I don't stay there because kingdom culture does not allow me to stay there in that. I experience those things, but the difference between me and someone who doesn't have the kingdom culture is that I have someone greater that's in me. And, and he gets authority over those places. So here's the things. What do we do? Why should I be different? The difference is about that that's in me. You know what that is? That's Jesus. Jesus. That's the Jesus in me. I'm not any better. Not any smarter. I can assure you of that. Not, none of those things. But one of the things that, make, that when I have Christ in my life, I have a joy that's not tied to any of this world or any of the circumstances that are around me. There are days when that joy is attacked and I, and I lose. I absolutely lose. Didn't lose my joy. I just lost it that day and I didn't choose joy. But then when I get up the next day, I said, you know what? I, did. I messed up yesterday. Joy is an anchor that is tied to the very leg of the throne of God, you know, and it ain't going anywhere. It's a beautiful thing. So Jesus said this, and I love this because he was telling in Matthew uh, 6, he was telling uh, the disciples uh, how to how to do things and he's like you know hey when you pray don't go over there and pray like oh you know I'm praying all fancy and everything because I want people to see me and I want them to be impressed by me and that's he said don't don't do that you know and he went on to say things like you know what you do in your closet what you do in secret it, it, God will reward you openly for and that is so that is so accurate and it doesn't mean you can't ever say anything or you know but it certainly is, we should never do some things out in public or in social media, or whatever, just so that we can be seen. Um, we should make sure that we're doing it for the glory of God. So this is what he said. I love this. In Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 10, he says this. This then is how you should pray. So he goes and tells them, he says, and you, you know this, I'm sure. It says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What? Wait, hold on a second. On earth as it is in heaven. So that's interesting because where is his kingdom going to come? Because his kingdom is going to come to earth. So that's interesting to me because it's like Jesus is saying to us that we have to bring that kingdom culture into our lives, into our. So when we pray, our Father, who art where? On the throne in heaven, hallowed, sacred. We worship you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, the very way that you have your way in that kingdom, I want you to have your way like that in this kingdom. And I invite you down in that. Heaven on earth. Could you imagine if we all lived that way, how our culture as a whole would change completely and, uh, you know, I can't do anything about it. And just like the old fellow said in the Old Testament, he said, you know, 
I don't know as about y'all, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. In other words, as for me and my house, we're going to build that culture and we're going to stick to it. So Isaiah 61, last thing I'm going to read today, uh, verses 1 through 3. I want to share this with you because when we talk about building culture, if you're joining us here, if you're taking notes, I want you to dig into this scripture, man. I mean, don't take my word for it. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So what is the very first part of this kingdom culture that I'm doing here? I'm inviting God's presence into my, well, we've already talked about that, but listen, I can't stress it enough. If I'm praying for miracles, I'm praying for signs, I'm praying for all these things. Above all, I should be praying for God's presence. Um, that's the most important thing. That's more important than my need. That's more important than my wants. That's more important than my hurts, my anxiety, my loneliness, my depression. It's the most important thing that I can pray for is God's presence. And the one thing that I can assure you, God will answer that prayer every single day because he'll show up. I promise you he will. But he goes on and says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. You see, my job is not to tell you what my political stance is. Now, I see it going on a lot, and I especially see it going on among church leaders. And that's not that we can't take uh, um, part in politics, but my job and my calling is not to get you to vote a certain way. My job is to share the good news that Jesus has saved us from this hell on this earth as well as the hell that would last for eternity. Doesn't mean that we won't go through troubles and trials and everything else. It just means that there is good news beyond what this earth can give you. And there's not a lot of good news circulating today, but so it would be a very cool thing if we all did that. It says to proclaim the good news to the poor. And you know what that really is? It's justice. And there's so many groups and so many organizations seeking justice right now, but it seems to me that we have less justice than we've ever had in the history of man. But Jesus said, if you share the good news, of the gospel, then that is justice. It actually brings justice. And so, but it goes on, it says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So he's called me to heal. So to, to bring healing to people's life through my words, through my actions, through serving, through loving and everything else. So think about it. So first thing is God's presence. Second thing is, is that I'm going to bring justice because I'm going to proclaim the good news. That's what a kingdom culture does. And then the next thing is I'm going to help set the captives free. I'm going to help set the brokenhearted free. It's not that people aren't going to be brokenhearted. It's that, that this is part of the process. You know, I'm going to God's presence. I'm going to help share the good news. And in the process, I'm going to help uh, begin to help people mend the broken heart. And so it says to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Did you hear me? That is amazing. Unfortunately, I know tons of believers that are bound. Listen, if you're still praying, and I, I'm, I, I hope, if I offend you, I offend you. But I just, I, I, this is things that I've had to evaluate in my own life. If you're still praying for the same thing you were five years ago, because you're captive to that, or because you've got unforgiveness in your life, or because you've got whatever it may be, then you're not free. Now, that's not to say that you don't know who Christ is, but. If you know Christ and you are still struggling with those things and they have captive, they're, they're captive over you, then you're not free yet. 
And so the trick is that you have to learn that you have to go about it like the gardener. And it ain't going to happen overnight. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I've tried doing this particular thing for a week and it didn't work. Well, the gardener works more than a week, right? It's every day. The Old Testament says to work out your salvation of fear and trembling. You know, there's that. So anyway, it goes on. It says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, peace, that that's part of the part of that kingdom culture the day of vengeance of our god to comfort all who mourn so part of the kingdom culture is to comfort uh, people and and grant to those who mourn in zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit which is all joy so think about it there's there's what is there one two three four five six seven things there that are just characteristics it's not like an exhaustive list but those are characteristics of kingdom culture it is god's presence it's justice it's healing it's freedom through salvation and deliverance peace comfort and joy and the last part of that in verse three says this that they may be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the lord that he may be glorify you understand that wow listen to that see the the idea is is that we would become stronger that we help each other encourage each other as we build kingdom culture the idea is to take somebody from point a to point b that the goal for all of us should be to help our brothers and sisters come from here to there to come from the past to the present to quit residing in sin and keep continuing to go forward you know it's not perfection it's not that we're bashing each other. It's that my primary goal, one of my primary goals as a pastor, is to help lead people from captivity to freedom. And, you know, that is a, a, a tremendously rewarding thing. But it doesn't happen that often. Just going to be honest with you. It doesn't happen as often as I like to see it happen. You know why? Because so many of us are, are good with being acorns when God has called us to be an oak tree. You know, an acorn... A squirrel comes along, picks it up, does its thing, buries it, says, I'll come back this winter and get you. You get tossed around here and there, the wind blows it, whatever. But those acorns that are actually established in good soil, they start to sprout up and they become big, huge trees. And then the very thing that was eating it now looks nothing like what it is and could not even do anything to shake it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to ask you today, are you happy if this is you? Are you happy being the acorn or do you want to be the oak tree? And that's, that's something we have to ask ourselves. We can say, God, I want to be the oak tree. And then our lives do nothing to line up with that. Our lifestyle does nothing to line up with that. I was driving uh, back home um, just recently and my six-year-old, uh, we passed the uh, sign that is uh, that welcomes people in the town. And we live outside of the town limits and was went by it. And on the back side of that sign, there's nothing. And he said, Dad, he said, why? Why does that sign not have anything on the back side of it? And why does it sit kind of odd and crooked uh, from where we are? And I said, because that sign is supposed to be seen as you come back into town because we're not going the right direction. Oh, my gosh. Listen to me. If you're praying for a sign from God and your lifestyle is going the opposite direction, then it is very likely that you're not going to see that sign. You may pass right by it. But you're not going to see it because you're not going the right direction. Now, hear me out. This is not trying to be hard on anybody. This is something that I've experienced in my own life is that my prayer life should actually, um, my lifestyle should actually line up with my prayer life. 
if you know what I'm saying. If I'm praying by faith, then I should be living by faith. I should be going the direction that the Word of God says that I should be going because I'm never going to see that sign unless I'm pointing my life in the best direction that I possibly can according to God's Word. I hope you get that. Anyway, so I don't want to be an acorn anymore, you know? I don't want to be that. Oak trees are tall, broad, strong. They provide sustenance. They provide shade. They provide strength. They provide security. Takes them a long time to grow, but you know the old saying, the best time to plant an oak tree is 20 years ago, you know, and that's so true. It's possible, it's impossible, I should say, to live life to the fullest lifestyle and remain in the old culture. To have the old mindset, to have the old habits, uh, it's impossible to live in the kingdom culture with a kingdom mentality with those old ways. So we have this battle going on inside of us. Maybe you're new to knowing Jesus. Once you understand that this battle that you have in your mind, it's, it's very normal. It's typical. Because now all of a sudden, this old culture that you have uh, is a, 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 in a battle against this new culture that you're experiencing. And it's difficult. And some people may look down their nose at you and some people may judge you. But the truth is, you're just trying to sort it out. And it's difficult. And I understand that. That you're trying to choke your flesh out. But your flesh has had rule for so long that it's really hard to choke that flesh out. So we end up uh, in this major battle. And, and sometimes we win it. And sometimes we lose it. But it's never too late to get back up and, and fight this fight and win it. So we end up, though, with people that are meant to be oak trees that are living the life of an acorn. And the potential is there. But... The culture that it that they've created that we've created around us individually it won't allow us to grow into the oak that we're supposed to be because I keep going back to the old friends I keep going back to the old relationships I keep going back to the old habits because it's just hard uh, but I have to I have to press on listen to me you may have fallen short a hundred thousand times but let me tell you what it only takes one time for you to get up and muster up the strength and get it right to see God break through and do some amazing things in your life. And that's, that's my prayer for you is that, that you'll say, you know what, I'm so sick of being the acorn. I'm so sick of being kicked around and talked about and looked down upon. I'm ready to move on and I'm ready to be that oak tree that God has called me to be because the potential in here is there. You see, I want to share as I close this, I want to share a couple of things real quick and um and it's not to brag it's not, I'm, certainly i want to honestly i i'm it's not about bragging about me i i just want to show you the contrasting cultures you see back when i graduated high school i had teachers that were great teachers i had one particular english teacher that was my teacher a couple years but she was so invested in me and i, I didn't realize what a gift she was to me at the time and she was so encouraging. She was encouraging me to do all these things like uh, poetry readings and competition like that. And I, at that point in my life, I thought that was so, you know, eh, you know, that's just that's not a very masculine thing and things like that. And so I was like, oh, I don't know, I'll do it a little bit. But I, I, I just didn't take it serious. And, and, and then so I just didn't show up and I just didn't do it. And then after I got out of school and I shared that for a reason, you know, because she seen potential in me that I didn't see. But nonetheless, I get out of high school and, I, and the very day after I graduated high school, I was at work at Food Line. And anybody that knows me, anybody that grew up with me knows that's true. A lot of people went to the beach to celebrate that graduation. I went to work the next day. I was already working when I was 15. So it was just nothing abnormal to me. Just got up and did that. I did that. And so nobody in my family had ever graduated from college um, 
And so I just thought college is not for me. And I had people in my life that were expressing to me that, you know, we don't go to college and we can't afford it and things like that. And so I just didn't go. Well, fast forward to through many years and got married to Amanda, who was the first college graduate in her side of the family. So I thought, well, I'm good, you know, because I married somebody who's a college graduate and that's all I need. That's all it takes. Now, hear me out because I'm not saying that college will solve all your problems. As a matter of fact, sometimes it won't. But for me, as I, we began to have children and as they got older and then all of a sudden we had our oldest one was in doing high school and I was like, now, I want her to go to college, but how am I going to tell her that she needs to go to college when I haven't done it myself because that would be pretty hypocritical. And so I said, okay, so I'm, I'm, I just started thinking about it and mulling it over. And I'm still having this battle going on inside of me, thinking you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you can't afford it, things like that. And so there was this lady that shows up one day, and I, I described her. She's just one of the craziest ladies I've ever met. And she showed up at our house unannounced, unwelcomed, anything else. I mean, she was welcome, but we didn't know she was coming. She knocked on the door. I looked out the window, and I seen her. Oh, God, there she is. She's a nut, man, everything else. And I opened the door. She didn't even say hi. She slipped a check through the door. She looked at me, and she said, here, this is for you. God told me to give it to you to, to sow a seed into your college education. I said, what? I said, you're crazy. And, you know, God had been dealing with me, and that was, like, huge. And Amanda had been encouraging me for a long time. And I was not listening to her. But then God showed up at the door with a $200 check. Now, did that take care of my college expenses? No. But it was certainly a sign for me that I needed to do something. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I tried to go through a local community college, and they made it extremely hard to, to get going. I had one college class under my belt that I took years and years prior, and that was it. And so I, I was like, well, it's really hard to do this, so it must not be God's will because it's really hard. <laughs> and then the door opened for another opportunity for college that was online, and it was much less expensive. And so I was like, okay, I might do this. And it was just like butter. I mean, it was just, it just smooth as can be. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this college thing. So typically somebody takes four years. Sometimes they get it done less. But then once I found out that this college was six months, um, their semesters run six months, and it was a flat rate. So if you got more done in that six months, you paid the same amount as if you got the minimum done. So now I'm motivated by money, so I actually finished my bachelor's degree in 18 months. That's not to brag on me, but look at this. Now what happened was, after 18 months, is I realized I am smart enough. You know what? I am, and for me to say that I'm not would be to be talking trash about God's creation. So I said, well, wait a minute. If I'm smart enough to do that, then I said, I'm going to get my master's degree. I didn't need my master's degree. I just said, I'm confident now because the culture has shifted. The mindset has shifted. You understand what I'm saying? And so I had this mentor that, that worked for the university that, that handled the bachelor's degree. She would coach me on it. She was awesome. She was like, you can do this, you know, and everything else. And she was cheering me on. And then I, I called to set it up. I thought I would get the same mentor, but I didn't. And I got this other girl and she was like, oh, and everything else. And I thought, well, it's okay. It'll work out. And I said, she said, what's your goal? And then she said, typically a master's degree would take two years, 18 months at best. And I said, my goal is six months. And she said, that, that I've never coached anybody that did six months, and so let's make a reasonable goal. And I said, no, my reasonable goal is six months. It was 11 classes, and all of them were papers, and I love to write. And I'm like, well, this is in my wheelhouse, and I think I can do it. And even if I fall short, so what? I mean, you know. And so she just was rejecting me every step of the way. And I said, you know what? Listen to me. 
either you're going to support me in this or I'll find another one that will. And I said it nicely because the truth is I pay the tuition. And to be honest with you, if people don't pay tuition, then you don't have a job. And so it's kind of like you work for me. And it's not that I'm trying to be arrogant. I want you to understand here. So she begrudgingly said, okay. So after the first month, she realized I was serious because I got three classes done in three months in just the first month because it was just, I was like in a, I mean, I'm burning it up, man. And then she took me serious and all of a sudden her mindset changed. Her vocabulary changed. Everything about her changed. And all of a sudden she became an even greater coach than what I had while I had my bachelor's degree. And I was able to get it done in six months. And say, well, Pastor Brian, that's really bragging about yourself and everything else. You know what? No, that is the difference in the culture. That kingdom culture says, I can do it because I have one in me that's greater than he that's in the world. You understand that? I'm not a victim anymore. I can keep blaming the past. I can keep blaming people in my family. I can keep blaming poverty. I can keep blaming all those things. Or I can say, you know what? I've got someone in me that's greater and I don't have to be that victim anymore. So I want to encourage you today, man, that if it's you that I'm talking to today, if it's you, you've got to make a decision to change this culture. You, as an adult, if you're an adult, you're in full control of what's going on. And it's not an overnight thing. It's not something you're going to do for a week and then everything's going to be okay. It's an everyday investment that I'm going to assure you is worth every sweat, every drop of sweat, every dime you spend every minute that you spend inviting kingdom culture into your life. It's not about prosperity. It's not about getting more money. It's not about any of those things. Number one, it's about getting more of God and inviting God down into what, what's going on and then watching for God at work and jumping in the middle of what it is that he's doing and beginning that relationship and really doing a good job of knowing that I am responsible for, so, for, for laying out that garden and getting that soil ready to plant seeds and allow God to give them increase in my life. Change your culture, change your life. Help us, God, to do that today as we begin to change the culture in our life, God. Maybe somebody that's listening to this is just fed up with things. I mean, and this is like really, really connecting in such a way that they realize that this is very much them. It's not enough for me to continue to blame other people. And God, it's not enough for me to continue to make excuses. God, this is my life. I have one. And it's a gift. It is a tremendous gift straight from you. Help us, God, today to, um, to overcome this old culture, this old mindset, this old mentality, some of which may be good, God. But God, help us to put on the new kingdom culture that we have. And God, today, if, if someone listening is not, they don't know Jesus, it all starts with Jesus. Today, I pray that they'll invite him into their life and they'll begin to search in the word and pray and begin to build that relationship with him today. Thank you for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. You can find out more about us at lhchampton.com. See you soon.